Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My favourite takeaway, the show for people who love food but can't always be bothered to cook it. My name is Tom Crane and I am joined today by a slightly hungover Simran Shah. How are you, Sim? I'm slightly hungover. <laughs> you sound like death. You've also got your, your hood up. The room's really dark around you. Don't out me. You look paler than me, Sim. I'll tell you what happened though. So last night I came back, I was quite drunk and yeah. I decided to order a takeaway. It said 15 to 25 minutes, which is quite good timing-wise. Can I just say on that, I, I never really believe 15 to 25. I think that feels too optimistic. Like They've put that in just to get the customers. Well, like a sucker, I was duped. <laughs> you were one of those thickos. <laughs> and I was like, 15 to 25 minutes. I'm going to nail this cab journey back. By the time I arrive, it will be there. And I arrived home, and it wasn't there. And then the time ticked over to like... 40 minutes and I thought oh well this is absolutely not worth it anymore I cannot (laughs) have this in 40 minutes time I now want to go to bed but you can't cancel the order and when it arrived I'd already eaten whatever was in the fridge and then this this massive takeaway arrived (laughs) and do you know what I did this is awful just threw it straight in the bin (laughs) no Simran there were so many problems with that food waste the money. I know, I know, I know. I took a bite. I took a bite. No, you didn't take a bite. You're saying you took a bite, so this, the optics of this story are slightly improved. You didn't. Yeah, it wasn't great. What was the takeaway? It was a kebab. It was a kebab. It was a kebab. Ah, that's a tricky one, because you can't really... Most other things you can pop in the fridge and have the next day. I'm not popping that in the fridge and having it in the morning before work. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not saying that's completely beyond me, to be honest. I think it's unlikely, but I could just about see myself doing that. Conversely, you're having your your life of sort of drunkenness and kebabs. I had a a classy food weekend uh, last week, as you know, because you had to introduce the show at the top on your own. I was in Paris last weekend. That was scary. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you did a great job. It's fantastic. (laughs) I I was in Paris and uh, had three days with my wife, just sort of ate and drank. I want to ask you one thing, though. We went to this sort of tasting menu place in Paris. It's kind of quite classy restaurant where they give you like 15 dishes. And every dish was so small that on the way home we got a mcdonald's <laughs> I, don't know if I think that's normal i honestly yeah, I, th- okay. I think i think if you're listening and you're the kind of person who uh, who's been for a tasting menu let us know if you've had a mcdonald's takeaway or something afterwards to actually satisfy the hunger yeah it's remarkable like some of the dishes didn't like they'd take up half a fork i'd like prod it and it wouldn't even <laughs> cover the four prongs of the fork <laughs> i don't know what that is 
But on the way home, got a, um, if you want to know it, big tasty uh, chicken nuggets and some fries. And then went ate it in the hotel room. That's, that's romance, isn't it? Now, Sim, that's our life. But our wonderful listeners also have a food life, don't they? And they've sent us some wonderful correspondence. A particular one stuck out this week. Do you want to read it out? Yes, this is from Dan. Dan has said, hi, guys. Having listened to your most recent episode, you spoke about the spoon in the mouth trick to prevent teary eyes when prepping chilies, onions, etc. Well, it's a real thing. However, the spoon part is relevant as it's purely there to prevent you breathing through your nose as this is what causes the teary eyes. Just holding anything between your teeth with the mouth open works or just learn to breathe only through your mouth. Now, that is interesting. This is like one of these sort of wives' tales, isn't it? What do you think about this, Crane? Well. I see one slight issue. He said you can hold anything in your mouth and it'll stop you crying. The, the one thing you can't hold is an onion, of course. That's the one thing you can't put in your mouth. <laughs> anyone who's tried this. He could be saying a full unpeeled onion. That's a very good point. So a sort of half an onion will be an issue, but is, is it still in its sort of natural wrapper? And it is a wrapper. It basically is a wrapper. If you're seeing a peeled onion, they say, just take off the wrapper and then... <laughs> let's, quick, let's quickly name some foods uh, that I would say... I'll give you a list of things that I, I would say come in a wrapper. Banana, that comes in a wrapper. Agreed? Yeah, agreed. I say apple just about comes in a wrapper. Apple does not come in a wrapper. I think that's a very thin wrapper. Coconut, that's kind of like a case, isn't it? A coconut's in a case. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Okay, You're eating the apple. skin of the apple, though, aren't you? You don't take off the skin of the apple and then eat the flesh. Will you meet me in the middle ground and accept it's an edible wrapper? Will you take that... <laughs> An edible wrapper. I think a fig has an edible wrapper. Okay. I think let, let's shake on edible wrapper on Apple and I'm willing to continue with the show. I don't know why you may turn this into a deal. There's nothing. <laughs> there's no negotiation that's going on here, mate. It's a conversation. No, conversations don't need to close. You need to close the conversation. <laughs> is a lychee in a, in a wrapper? Yes, it is. And you don't eat it. It's not edible. At last, we agree on one of them. We can, we can close on yeah. that. So that's really interesting. So a spoon between the mouth will stop you crying. Now, Sim, I tell you what does uh, bring tears to the eyes. Look at this for a link. Uh, it's the wonderful guest that we have today. I'm so moved that he chose to come on this show because he's uh, a brilliant comedian and someone I love very, very much. Who have we got coming up this week, Sim? We are joined by the very funny Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comic, John Robbins. And it was a very fun chat. And there was even a sort of cook-along where John was uh, making a curry whilst we did the podcast, which was a special treat. And John is on a tour in September. The tour is called Howl, and it begins at the Norwich Playhouse, and he's going all across the country. Definitely go check him out. Tickets are available on his website, johnrobbins.com. I urge you to go see him, and I urge you to listen to this, I think, rather wonderful episode. Sorry, I thought you were about to say, I urge you to go see him, and I urge you to listen, as opposed to sort of just turning up at the gig and <laughs> playing on your iPhone. I urge you to go to see him and listen to the podcast that's coming up. Listen, okay, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> okay. But generally, do check out John Live. He's one of the best stand-ups around. And here is John Robbins cooking for us and talking takeaways. Thank you, John. Now, am I witnessing a cook-along right now, John? What's going on here? It's the first for the podcast. When you guys asked what my favourite takeaway is, my immediate thought was what happened in lockdown, which was that I got so frustrated at the lack of uh, good curry. And also, I I find it very frustrating when I'm unable to recreate the stuff I like having as a takeaway at home. I prefer cooking to getting takeaway personally. 
There are just certain things you cannot do. Pizza is one. You can never yeah. quite cook a yeah. pizza at home. It always sort of ends up tasting like tomato puree on a massive biscuit. What are, what are your thoughts on that, on the, the frozen supermarket pizza that you then try to adorn with a few things from the fridge? <laughs> a, a bit of prosciutto. Exactly. <laughs> it's better than homemade, and I will get a Pizza Express margarita, and I will add like jalapenos, anchovies, capers, that sort of thing. But the absolute key is to spray it with oil before you put it in the oven. Spray it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have olive oil in a spray? I've got it right here, Simran. I've got it right here. Oh, here he is. He's showing it to us. Oh, that looks very World Foods. That is an absolute <laughs> game changer for the is it? home-cooked oven pizza. Is it only for certain occasions in olive oil spray? Because I don't think I've ever had the balls to use an olive oil spray. I don't know what... It intimidates me. It's just for cooking. I, I, don't, I don't use it elsewhere in my life. <laughs> to top up your tan or whatever. <laughs> I would use it if I was baking tofu, if I wanted to fry, like, broccoli. So something where you don't want to drench it with oil, because you usually need less oil than you think. Um, so anyway, I got so frustrated with how bad, like, jarred curry sauces taste mm. and how far away they are from what you have in an Indian restaurant. Inshallah, brother. I just Googled, you know, how do you make a British Indian restaurant curry? Because that's a different, that's a whole style of cooking, B-I-R curry. And I've got books about how to cook traditional Indian curries, uh, Sri Lankan curries, all that sort of thing. But I wanted to know how, when you go into a restaurant, why does it taste so different? And I discovered this channel. Hang on, I'm just going to put my onion in. What I can see is... John, in his wonderful kitchen, which he's got uh, incredible wooden beams, is using a wok. That's not a wok. That's not a wok. That's a bolty pan. Is it not a wok? That's a bolty pan. A bolty pan. John, I knew that. I was just trying to say something that was relatable to the listeners, John. (laughs) Simran. (laughs) It's all a lie. I know it's a bolty pan, brother. All these episodes where I've claimed about your deep knowledge of Indian cuisine and your upbringing, it's all stuff and nonsense. You've been outed by John Robbins. Here we are. Oh, I just was going to say that a wok is traditionally used in Indian cooking, even though it's not called a wok. But there you go. Carry on, John. Yeah, it's, as, it's as close as mustard to a wok, really. It's a stainless steel pan, yeah? It's a stainless steel pan. And so anyway, I, I googled how do you cook uh, curry. I found this channel called Al's Kitchen. And Al's Kitchen is one of a few YouTube channels that show you how to make BIR curries. But I just fell in love with the guy. The key difference, I didn't know this, is something called base gravy. Right. And that's what all, you know, 90% of a wet curry in a British Indian restaurant is going to use base gravy. And it's basically like a sort of a, a stock, like a vegetable stock that's main ingredient is onions. So... It's got like onions, coconut block, coriander, pepper, potato, lentils, various spices, a sort of a spice stock. So what you have to do is you you spend an afternoon making that in a huge, huge pan. You then freeze it in batches and then you've got it. So my freezer is now full of this stuff. And can that then be used for a variety of different curries? So this is basically your, your stock, which you then, from there... There's a variety of directions you can go in. Yes, absolutely. So the base gravy is always the same. About 90% of the curries use it. And it just what gives curries that sort of full flavour. That depth. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's quite sweet because it's full of onions. So it caramelises. I'm just chucking the garlic in. 
and my chilies. So I'm making Al's Kitchen's Five Spice Vindaloo. Ooh, what are the five spices, John? Five spices. Well, I've actually added one. So the spices are mixed powder, which is like curry powder, chili powder, methy, which is sort of a uh, more of a leaf than yep. a spice, garam masala, and then I add a bit of cardamom because it's my favorite flavor, and um, masala powder because I love masala powder. So this is kind of like a vindaloo masala. So are you good with heat then? Mm. So you obviously you, you talk about putting jalapeno on your, your pizzas. This is a vindaloo. So, so you love heat. You don't have any problem with heat. don't have any problem with heat at all, but I have learned from my mistakes that there is a certain level of heat that actually just spoils everything. And I've been like, I've had falls and I've had, the, oh, what's it called? There's a fall and a, anyway, I've ruined evenings with heat. I've been there. <laughs> the, sort, the sort of thing you'd, you'd eat to win a t-shirt, that sort of curry. Have you served uh, a very, very spicy curry with guests and has it ruined their evening too? Or is it just your own evenings? I've ruined friends' evenings with sort of hot sauces and stuff. I've kind of outgrown <laughs> that now. Outgrown it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because your pranking years, <laughs> the, the, the heat and the flavour should there should be this sort of balance, and different heats work better in different curries. So, I don't like a burn anymore. I know, I, I agree with that. I do. I, I do feel that becomes just your overwhelming experience is this sort of battle to deal with the heat rather than actually enjoying any of the flavours that are in mm. the curry. I, I have had that. I've had a file, and I think that is. That's definitely the case with the file. I think it's too much. Whenever I see someone ordering a file, I think this is just a show of strength. It's not a taste experience, really. It's an endorphin experience. And it does give you an endorphin rush. There's no doubt about that. So, so you talked there about lockdown and then you, you, you were missing curry. So because you, so you live out in the country, so th- there are takeaways near you, are there? What, what's, what's your takeaway? What's the lay of the land uh, around you? Uh, so there's three curry houses, a fish and chip shop, a couple of ties. There's no Chinese near me. There's a Domino's and a Pizza Express, but I never get takeaway pizza, really. I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of adapt my own, as discussed. Did the Indian uh, restaurants close down in lockdown, not even do takeaway then? Was that the situation? There was no access to it? Yeah, initially they closed down. And by the time they reopened, I'd learned how to do it myself. I mean, I still absolutely adore going for a, an Indian in a restaurant because... The one downside of this, what I'm doing now, uh, is your house just absolutely stinks. Yeah, it does, which is which is why Indian households always have plastic <laughs> coverings and all their sofas. And my grandmother, who was that person that had plastic sheets all over her sofa, was exactly because the smell didn't seep into the material. I've got two chef's candles. I've got a window open. I would usually have the extractor on, but I don't. But I've also got the best air freshener known to man. You've got a spray for everything. So this is the pure essential purifying air spray. And this is just the only thing I know that gets close to it. Because when you make that um, base gravy, your house will absolutely... I mean, it's the worst possible combination. (laughs) It's about 20 onions. It's garlic, yeah, yeah. it's turmeric, it's cumin, it's, but, it, you know, it's a lovely smell. But I, I, You may disagree with this, but I think the onion is the best vegetable. A caramelised onion, for me, something that's reduced down, a slow-cooked, either as a base of a curry or, let's say, a carbonara, anything like that, slow-cooked, chopped onion, that caramelised flavour, there's nothing better. 
I think it's also my favourite soup. Oh, yeah. I'd say. In the French onion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, John, growing up, did you have many takeaways? I'd say we would have an Indian meal once every quarter. Um, and but never take away okay. that. alongside the annual report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'd have one vat quarter, one would be our, <laughs> our household financial year end. <laughs> one would be the self-assessment deadline. The self-assessment slap-up, as you called it. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and when, where would that be? Where, where, where was this happening? Where, and do you remember the name of the place you were going to? Yeah, it was called the Mumtaz. There was two. There was the Mumtaz and the, the, I think it was the Mogul. And, you know, you picked a team. <laughs> and, you know, everyone in Thornbury would either go to the Mogul or the Mumtaz. We, we were team Taz. You still remember that experience as, I don't know what age you were doing this. Because for me, it feels quite vivid. Those early experiences of going with the family for Indian meals. I just, I loved it. The excitement of poppadoms. This sort of type of food I'd never had before. It was so brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, I just think it was so rare. It may even was six monthly. It wasn't like a huge part of our life. And the only takeaway we really had was fish and chips. And like I was saying before, I think I think a takeaway is only worth getting if you can't do a good enough job yourself. And fish and chips is something you just can't do at home, anything close <laughs> to that. And an Indian is something you just can't do at home, or in, so I thought. Um, Chinese, you know, but I think you'd have to be mentally unwell to get pasta as a takeaway. <laughs> you'd have to be sort of medically sick. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, there's loads of places that sell it, so there are people that are doing it. It's becoming more popular. In fact, I did order a uh, pasta takeaway, which was a carbonara, and oh, it was no. served in essentially like a little pot. I'd say it was top heavy on the cream. Well, first of all, carbonara shouldn't have cream in it. I know, mate. Don't you tell me. <laughs> the ones I find most remarkable is when you open it up and there's people... It's very simple tomato pasta. As if people don't realise quite how easy that is. It's yeah. such a simple thing to do. I've just got to update you guys. The spices have gone in. Okay, so, oh. so where are we? Tell, tell us what... So what's, you've got the onion bases cooking away. You've got the spices have just gone in. So what, what are you looking at there? I've got passata, or you can just use tomato paste with water. I've got chilies, garlic onion and that's all mixing into sort of a paste yeah and once the spices are cooked which will take about a minute and a half i'll then start to add the base gravy you add it like a ladle at a time let it let it reduce Mm. let it begin to caramelize you keep adding it keep adding it uh the rice is already done because i hate doing rice so i just do boil in the bag rice and i leave it i hate doing rice so much that even if i'm cooking a curry for claire uh my wife I will often say, can you can you just do the right? I have this weird, it's like a, an emotional thing. I don't know what it is. I find it's really <laughs> stressful. I just don't. I don't want to boil the rice. I, I don't know why it stresses me out. It's yeah. the hardest thing to do, I think. Well, and everyone's got a system, and I've tried all their systems, and it always just turns into a gloopy mess. <laughs> I'm not interested in hearing about anyone's system because boiling the bag is just the same every time. How much of this base gravy have you got in your freezer at the moment? Then, what, what are you? If you open up your freezer, what, what's in there? Is it gallons of the stuff? An entire drawer, yeah. So probably there's about twenty portions in, in wow. freezer bags. Not just sort of poured into the drawer. <laughs> yeah, I chip a chunk off. <laughs> now, John, you're also drinking a Guinness. Is that right? As you're cooking, I'm drinking a Guinness Zero as I cook. Yeah. Oh, had we been having this? 
conversation four months ago, it would have been Guinness and I'd have been hammered um, <laughs> because that was very much part of my, I live alone, so part of my routine would be the first beer when you chop the onions, the second beer when you fry the onions, the third beer when the, the right. tomatoes goes in. Then when the base gravy goes in, that's where you open a bottle of wine. A shot for the methy, a shot for the carbon, a shot for... <laughs> oh, good, you reminded me about the methy. Yeah. Um, and then when I have it and I go to watch a film, that's when I bring out the cider. Yeah. And that turns out over years and years and years becomes quite a destructive pattern for a man living on his own. How is Guinness Zero? I think it's the best invention since the iPod classic. <laughs> wow, okay. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Does it taste like Guinness? Yeah. yeah I, I actually, the first time I tried it, I did a taste test and I failed to identify correctly Guinness versus Guinness Zero. That's amazing. So you mentioned earlier about going to a restaurant twice a year and how you like to go to your local Indian restaurants. Do you have a set meal that you always order? Is, are there certain things you always go for? What's your, what's your approach to, a, to when you go out for an Indian? Or, or indeed, when you have one at home? Let's talk, talk us through your normal order. Well, first off, I have a few rules around Indians. Indians? I, the food, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, different podcasts. <laughs> so when I was drinking, I always struggled in Indian restaurants. I didn't drink lager. So I would have like rum and coke, maybe. But I think what's most frustrating for me, hang on, I just need to take the headphones off a sec. He's just getting something out out of his drawer. I now really want to go for a curry. That looks like he's putting in some methi or some curry leaves or... Yeah, I think we've actually just seen him open up the... uh... The base curry drawer. I thought he was doing the base curry drawer beforehand. Oh. But I couldn't tell because he was ladling something in. Well, we can ask him here. Headphones go back on again. John, we were just trying to decide what it was you were doing, and I couldn't tell whether that was the base curry being ladled in or you were doing that earlier. So what stage are you at now? Well, did you hear me saying, don't burn it, don't burn it, don't burn it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. We, know, we now know it happened. I just burnt it because... I use so much coriander that I freeze it and I couldn't find it in the freezer. And while I was trying to access the coriander, I just just caught a bit of the curry. It's not the end of the world. Um, I put the last bit of base gravy in and I'm just heating through. I've got tofu in this, so I baked some tofu earlier just in a bit of masala powder and oil. So have you baked that to give it a bit more bite, basically? Is that is that what the why you pre-bake it? Yeah, it's really good if you bake if bake tofu. It's really nice and crunchy. So are you vegetarian or vegan? I guess what you'd call it is microbiotic, but it's basically vegan with anchovies. <laughs> oh, and cheese. So is it, is it all down to animal size for you? They, when they, <laughs> the fish gets down to a set, it's no longer of any value. Oh, he's tasting the food. Here he goes. What do we think, John? What do we think? Oh, fuck. That is just absolutely delicious. Oh, lovely. You also tasted that in a really, that's quite a chef-y, Very tiny chef-y spoon. Way. You held the spoon in a chef-y way. I could tell you're a good cook. So, John, you were saying that growing up, you'd have these two different Indian takeaways. And then when you left home, did you cook for yourself or were you like big on takeaways? Are you ordering like tons and tons? Well, I, my first left home, it was to go to uni. We had like uh, food in halls. So it was like a canteen, but the food was quite bad. So the options really 
if you weren't going there, would be to go to the Radcliffe Arms, which was a pub in Oxford that did sort of cheap. It would do like omelettes and burgers. And so if there was a bad night in halls, which pizza night was awful, big, thick, deep pan, doughy, bready pizzas. Yeah. Just, oh, I remember once they cooked the lamb in the same oven as they cooked the mackerel. Oh, no, 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 no. One of the most disgusting flavour profiles of my life. <laughs> Can you imagine mackerel smoked lamb? <laughs> it was so bad. The kitchens in halls that you had access to yourself were those classic, like, you know those grey stone hot plate oh, yeah. things you get in like bed sits and bad Airbnbs that are just so <laughs> impossible to cook on and they take about two days to cool down. So long. It's just awful. <laughs> um, so I didn't really cook much in college. It was literally, you know, it would be pasta. Pesto and pasta kind of vibe. But we would go out for curries in in the town, but we didn't have much money really. So you, you could maybe afford to go out once a week. Food was secondary to booze in in my sort of thinking. So I don't really have many memories of, of food at uni apart from apart from eating in in the canteen, which is what we did. And they also did breakfast. So you know, I never, I don't think I once cooked breakfast. So we'd go to this sandwich shop called On the Hoof, which we called Up the Duff because we're hilarious wags. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to grab the curry and move from the uh, theatre of conflict to the theatre of consumption. So just to explain to uh, listeners, John has now moved to his lovely living room, which has old latticed beams above him and his kitchen table, and he's going to bring his food across, which will be piping hot. We're going to see how it goes. Impressive that you knew the name of those beams, Crane. Lattice. That was quite impressive, wasn't that it? That was impressive, yeah. I was going to say wood on the ceiling, All but right. I think <laughs> lattice beams is better than wood on the ceiling. I think just beams <laughs> Beams is the term. I mean, far, far be it from me to j'accuse myself of not being the ideal subject for this show, but takeaways have never been a huge part of my life. I've never had a delivery account. I've never had an Uber Eats account. My, I would say my peak takeaway period came when I lived in Lewisham. I got into very bad habits and put on quite a lot of weight because I would have gigs in the evening in London. I'd need to leave at like half six. I'd get back at half 10. And me and my then girlfriend got into very bad habits. You'd have like a pre-dinner at about half five, <laughs> which would be a full dinner. And then you'd get back at half 10. I'd open a few cans. I'd open a bottle of rum. You'd get a Chinese takeaway which was more than a full dinner. So you'd end up having two and a half dinners a night. <laughs> Plus the calories of the booze as well. Yeah, completely unsustainable. So doing about probably in the region of 3,000 calories after 5pm. <laughs> with no fitness regime whatsoever. So what age were you at this point? That would have been sort of 2014 to 2017. That's like 32 to 35. So your metabolism is sort of clinging on in there, just about. <laughs> I was going to say, luckily, I had an undiagnosed overactive thyroid. Oh, right. And what that means is you lose weight. <laughs> My diet was so bad that I would say I probably put on a stone in, over the course of two years. When I stopped that diet, I, I lost 10 kilos in about two months. No. And, I went, yeah, and I went to the doctor and they ran all these tests. And had an overactive thyroid, and that gives you stuff like anxiety, trouble sleeping, all sorts of symptoms. But 
because my diet was so bad, I'd only gradually put on the weight. Whereas had I not had this, I would have I would have been absolutely enormous. So did the doctor then suggest you had to sort of maybe a couple of takeaways a week would sort of balance you out to where you need to be? Or is it kind of oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't find a middle ground? No, they just put they put me on uh, the right drugs and it all evened out. And now my diet is very healthy, it's just portion control. So talking of portion control, in front of you now, what have you got? Oh my god, that's so delicious. <laughs> I just had my first I think somebody compliment their own food. <laughs> I've never been more gutted to be not with a guest sharing their food. This is this is genuinely heartbreaking. I've got my hand on my forehead. It's like a cartoon reaction to it. There's quite a lot of prep for these. So you have to make the base gravy, you have to have the right spices in the house. Once it's all there, the fact that I can knock up a curry that I would love in a curry house mm. in the, the, what was that? Probably total 20 minutes. And we were chatting a bit. So usually it would take me 15 to 20 minutes. It should take about as long as the rice takes to cook. I love it. I absolutely love it. Feels like a superpower. I have a problem. If I've cooked quite a lot of curry, I'm going to go up for seconds, thirds. Like I can't, I'm very bad with portion control. Once you finish that, are you going to go back in for more? What's your sort of average here? Well, I cook for one, but it is a bigger portion than you would get in a curry house. I do this thing where I cut the corner off the bag of boiling the bag rice, and I will decant a third of it into a Tupperware box. Really? So every three rices, I then have a portion in the Tupperware box that I will try and fail to cook outside of the bag, and then I return to the bag system. (laughs) This is rewinding that. Yeah, I just need to step through this because I'm stupid. Is this pre-cooked rice? You're, yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. dry. Okay, okay, okay. I got, I've got you. And then you're just putting it in the pan, three lots to make one. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably eating slightly, slightly more than would be a serving suggestion, but I'm eating way less than I would in an Indian restaurant. Okay. Also, I mean, you're asking about my sort of Indian takeaway rules or approach. What I would order: the fact that Indian restaurants have such bad selections of wine is one of, the, I think, the great missed opportunities of the modern age because wine is the perfect drink to drink with uh, curry, with spicy yeah. food, with Thai, with Chinese. And the Riesling, which happened to be my favourite white wine, is the perfect accompaniment because you need something slightly sweet, need something juicy, yeah. need something floral. You don't want very, very dry stuff. And with a red, you want something very fruity and punchy and jammy. So more so than beer, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer's the worst thing to have with a curry. Because it bloats you. Well, it's five pints of alcohol, the space that takes up. And this is why people (laughs) come away from... I know it's sort of a traditional thing. I've never had a pint with a curry. I don't particularly like lager, but I just wouldn't be able to fit it in my body. Seeing as you're not drinking at the moment, what would be your soft drink of choice? Because actually, if you go to a lot of Indian restaurants, a lot of Indian families, they've got big bottles of Fanta and big bottles of Coke that they're having with their curries. Are you into soft drinks and a curry? I would have a Diet Coke, but only a small one because it's just filling you up. And, I, and I'm with any type of cuisine, I am all about like the value. <laughs> I would always be amazed when I would go to those all-you-can-eat Chinese buffets. And you'd see people with a plate of rice and chips and you think, are you thick? <laughs> You're spending nine quid to have probably... Like, realistically, three pence worth of rice, yeah. ten pence worth of chips. I'm going for your meat <laughs> items. I'm going for your beefs, your prawns. You can look at where the profit margins are. Exactly. So in an Indian restaurant, my rule, 
No poppadoms, share rice, share naan. No poppadoms. Oh, okay. This is controversial. This is controversial. We'll wait for part two. Two curries. <gasps> two curries. Wow. Two curries. Okay, so we, there's so much to deal with there. We're going to step through these one by one. Okay. okay. Poppadoms. Why no poppadoms? <sighs> the idea of them is so great. They're filling you up for no reason. And I have to say, the standard of chutneys is so hit and miss. You know, if you could guarantee me beautiful lime pickle, those pickled chilies they do, those thinly diced yeah. pickled chilies, yep. and maybe a little bit of an aubergine, brinjoly type pickle there, your mango chutney, your onions. If you could guarantee me that, great. But sometimes you go there, and all you get is onions and mango chutney. <laughs> and it's also that unbelievably sweet mango chutney as well, which is like 98% sugar. But I basically realised that it was taking the pleasure away from the main event because you were having three poppadoms, all this stuff, and you kind of the main stuff came and you couldn't finish it. And you're thinking, well, that's where the, that's where the value is. That's where my investment is. <laughs> but it can't all be value. <laughs> it can't all be profit margin. Because you, you say it's filling you up for nothing. But for me, there's so much joy in that crunch of a poppadom. There's, there's so much pleasure in that. I love it. And also the social aspect of sharing it. And John, also, I, I enjoy using the poppadom in the curry. I don't just yes. limit it to, to the dip. Yeah, I agree with that. But you try holding on to excess pops and dips when the main is coming. (laughs) It's almost like you're trying to steal. I actually want to use the mango chutney with the main. It's like there's an unspoken yes. rule that, there whoa, is, whoa, whoa, true. what are you doing? There's, that's such a good point. There's often such a battle for that little bit of mango chutney in a group as well, about, and it, when it's going down to the, the tiny bit at the bottom. In that tiny silver bowl, you're scooping all of it out. Okay, on to step two. So you've got yep. naan and rice there. Share rice, share a naan. Share rice, share a naan. Because between two people, yeah. a garlic naan and pilau rice or whatever, one naan is always too much. One rice is always too much. Half and half, you've got your two curries, you're dipping, yep. you're getting good value. I'm getting to experience a king prawn rosala. I'm getting to experience <laughs> like a, a king prawn tikka masala, a garlic chili king prawn. <laughs> Poor prawn. <laughs> Fuck prawns, mate. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck prawns. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get on to fucking prawns in a second. But do you, when you're using your rice in your curry and you're going with the naan, are you using both at the same time? Do you ever find that you've got rice on your plate and then you're scooping up the curry with your naan and then you're scooping up some rice with that as well? Do you ever feel weird about the rice and the naan being together with the curry? If you can't tell, I feel a bit weird about that sometimes. I I see the rice (laughs) and the naan as two opposing claws in a pincer movement. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> And I like to use the naan to sort of maybe dip in the actual receptacle the curry comes in, because mm. the sauce is often the best bit. Whereas the rice is there to give you a bit of ballast, to keep you grounded, yeah. stop you getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> well, we had, when uh, Josh Widdicombe uh, did this, he goes without rice often. He thinks rice is pointless with a curry. Thoughts on that? If I'm making a curry at home like this one, I will often just have a roti or a chapati, just something that's slightly less glutinous and bready because I think they've also yet to nail the shop-bought naan. Yeah. Really, they've yet to properly nail it. Tell you what I can recommend on that is frozen parathas. If you go to like an Indian shop or a newsagent, they'll have them in the back in the freezer section and they're quite good. My top tip 
if you buy naan from a supermarket, is don't put it in the oven, microwave it. Ah, yeah, that's not a bad tip. And it goes really soft and slightly. It just makes it slightly moister, and it tears as opposed to the you know those like those ones in the shape of a pear drop. <laughs> yeah, vacuum yeah. packed. <laughs> yeah, that you put in the oven, and they just turn into sort of like little chopping boards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say you're going for a date. Let's say that. Are you then saying, let's have half a naan each, half a rice? I think that's quite a nice sort of bonding thing. I can imagine like the Wrigley's advert and you're tearing the naan down the middle as you look at each other in the eye. Is it like that? The Wrigley's advert? Well, you know, where they tear the, the piece of chewing <laughs> no, gum remember, down half a, yeah, in the yeah, bus. Yeah, I imagine like that. Well, well Tom, you've, you've, you've shown yourself to be such a, a sweethearted, innocent chap there. Um, I mean, firstly, I don't think I've been on a date since the coalition government. Right. <laughs> Secondly... Were I to go on a date, you know, it's been a while, I'm not going to be going for a curry. But also, my approach to an Indian meal is so strategic, I don't think that shows me at my best. (laughs) I mean, as you're talking about the value, as as you're talking about where the best investment of your time and effort is in a meal, I, I think the romance is dead. So where would you choose? I have no idea where I would go on a date. I have absolutely no idea. Maybe a walk in a one of the large parks of London. That's nice. Maybe I actually would go to a gallery. I don't know. It would have to be... I don't think I'd be comfortable... Now I'm sans cans. I don't think I'd be able to meet in a pub. I think I'd be too anxious. People seem to enjoy ice skating in the movies. That's a thing, isn't it? They quite like that. <laughs> Times Square, that's the old hands go around. <laughs> Times Square, a long way to go for the date. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> If it was to go to a restaurant, I'd go. I'd like to go somewhere quite, quite nice. I mean, I don't eat out a huge amount. I go to somewhere pretty cool or somewhere sort of nice, like one of those sort of dirty vegan type affairs. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few of those in London. I don't mind Oaxaca. I don't mind Oaxaca. Would you cook at home to impress? Yeah, I probably would actually. If I was cooking at home, curry just does make the house smell so much. Mm. But I might go curry or I might cook like I do a pretty decent uh, salt and chili fried tofu. Oh, yes. Guess I could do salt and chili fried king prawns. <laughs> Once again. Prawns are back. Prawns are back. <laughs> Decimating the prawn population of the world single handedly. <laughs> I do a nice tom yam soup. Lovely. That's one of my favorite things. In fact, that's one of my favorite takeaway things is tom yam soup. So, you know, this is something we're always interested in with our guests. Have you had any. Takeaway disasters. Well, I should start by saying I was I was there for one of Tom's takeaway disasters. When was this? I was there for the trainer print dominoes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. Just do it. <laughs> I don't think I've talked about this on the show. You can tell the listeners what happened if, if you want. You, what do you mean you haven't talked about this on the show? Just in case I haven't, I ordered uh, Domino's pizza when John and I lived together at the Edinburgh Festival. And it arrived and it had a footprint in the dough baked yeah. into it, wasn't it? That was the weirdest bit. So it was cooked into it. It was the tick of the Nike symbol under the shoe. <laughs> and living with Tom, I'm sure that fatherhood and marriage have changed him, but it was sort of a cross between living with a student and someone who'd been raised by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> but in a very sweet way. Okay, it was, thank you. It was just like there are certain things he'd not been taught, such as. Such as how to hang out washing. Yeah, that's still an issue. Such as how to get out of a shower. But a lot of the stuff he did was quite instinctive, so it kind of made sense in an odd way. So, you know, if you showed an alien wet washing, 
and a drying rack, they would make a certain number of connections. <laughs> and they made exactly the same connections that Tom made. So he would just sort of dump the ball of wet clothes on top of the drying rack. There's some logic. It's just not human logic. Yeah. <laughs> I still, John, well, this, is, this enrages Claire. When I have two socks, I just stick one of the socks into the mouth of the other sock. You know, you're supposed to put them together and turn over the yeah, top yeah, and yeah. You're pairing a sock. I just pop one into the other like it's sort of eating it and then stick it in the drawer. That is infuriating. So some of the sort of hilarious things you would find were were the result of a a mind too innocent for this world. (laughs) But then Tom is also the sort of person that just has bad luck. Like, (laughs) if you told me, do you want to hear a story about someone who got a pizza delivered and it had the footprint of a trainer in the dough? I'd be like, that was Crane, wasn't it? (laughs) I would know instinctively that that would be Crane. And that's not, he's not done anything wrong. Thank you. But if that was going to happen to someone on earth, it would be Crane. I've been saying this for years. And and talk about me getting out of the shower, weirdly. This is bad luck. This is the worst, this is the worst way I've ever got out of a shower. When I lived at Cardiff University once, we had one of those cubicle showers, glass sided. I had my shower, stood up leaning on one side of it, and the whole shower thing came off the floor (laughs) and fell over and shattered. The whole thing shattered. I was lying on the floor naked, water spurting everywhere as my flatmates came in, and they were angry at me as if it's my fault. I think, you talk about bad luck there, if a shower cubicle falls over and is no longer joined to the floor, that's not my fault, is it? Well, I would say in that situation (laughs) that, on the one hand, the shower cubicle shouldn't fall over when you lean on it. On the other hand, you're, you're the first person in history to lean on the shower cubicle from the inside. Because why would anyone th- need to lean? I mean, what are you doing? Because you get tired standing up in the shower. I don't think anyone else does. You do, though, Tom, don't you? Because you, you, you sit down, you lie down in the shower. I do. This is, why, this is why I lie down in the shower. I lie down. Also, what Tom would do, and this is takeaway related, if someone would take out the bin, two days later, you'd come back in the bin like it would somehow be full and there would be an in, sort of a huge pizza box sort of placed, <laughs> you know, the sort of swing bit of the plastic yeah. lid. It would sort of be, oh, just be no. placed in that. So about 10% of the pizza box would be in the bin and the rest is sitting on top. And you'd think, who, who disposes of a pizza box like that? I'm so sorry. The only takeaway disaster that I can think of, apart from when you just get stuff that's bad, this is why I think I don't have a delivery account and I don't do that much is by the time you've opened the pizza box to find that it's been stored vertically and it's all slid off, they're long gone. You can leave all the bad reviews you want, but your evening's still kind of kaput. Yeah. However, once I was backstage with Ellis on a, at a tour show and we'd got a takeaway delivered. The only option was a Chinese. So we got like a couple of fried rices or noodles or whatever. And I'd ordered vegetable and chicken turned up and it was like shredded into it. And that's game over. And I was really hungry and angry. I get hanger quite severely. So it arrives. I'm angry at six. It arrives at quarter to seven. We're on at half past seven. I'm so excited to get it down me. I take one mouthful, spit it out. Okay, I'm not eating. I can't eat. (laughs) There's no food. Had it been shredded up King Prawn, you'd have punched the air in absolute delight. <laughs> oh, that would have been a dream. <laughs> I did their beady eyes looking you in the eye. So, Dom, a uh, question we ask all of our guests, one of our final questions, is McDonald's, KFC and Domino's. You can choose one of the three. I think we should extend this, actually, to... Yes, good idea. General late night, 2am. Good shout. 
soak up the booze type food because we know you're not behind Domino's. So you're walking home. It's two in the morning. What are you having? And I want a detailed description of what it is and why. Okay. So my dream in that situation would be a hummus and halloumi kebab. Oh, okay. But I want the kebab shop to have a very flexible, hands-on approach to the fillings, a little bit like a, a, a Subway. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because I want, <laughs> I want lettuce, tomato, I want pickled chilies, but I want a level of pickled chilies that you would sort of, you would have to sign a disclaimer or, a, or some kind of um, waiver to consume. You'll blow your shoes off. So when they put their little tongs in and get you two small pickled chilies... There's a limit to the amount of times you can say, go again, <laughs> and again. And you're not allowed to lean over, are you, and grab the tongs yourself either. Yeah. That's also not. I don't want any onions. I don't want raw onions. I want red cabbage to a similar level as the chilies. I then want ketchup and chilli sauce, but I want to hold the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the pièce de résistance is? Yeah. yeah. As the the lady or the gentleman is turning towards to hand me this perfect kebab with hummus sort of spread on the inside of the pitta, the pitta slightly mm. toasted, halloumi on the hummus, so it's sort of it's almost cemented to the edge, so it's going to be at a consistent <laughs> frequency throughout the kebab. It's then got the salad and the sauce. As they turn, and this is a beautiful touch, he just scoops out like a third of a portion of chips and just oh. spreads, oh, them, yes. oh. spreads them on the kebab. I, I saw it done once, and I remember being very moved. <laughs> because I thought, here's, here's a patron of a kebab shop who values his customers, who pushes the envelope and is willing to think outside the box and also yeah. knows flavour inside out. And has pride in his work as well. Pride. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what more can you ask for? What's better than walking away with, I'm going to say, 14 chips yeah. as part you of your uh, kebab, yeah. That is wonderful. On the pickle, I think you should be able to say, because I'm not having this cabbage stuff, Weight-wise, can we make it up? Because I've paid the same amount of money, so really I, I should be able to, in terms of kebab content, make up for that. I mean, just to go back to my obsession with the value in eating, Yeah, one of my pet hates is companies that skimp on the items that cost them nothing. E.g., is there a worse feeling than being served, let's say, pate, and getting two inordinately small pieces of sort of thinly sliced toast like almost like melba toast and you think what do you expect me to do with the other hundred grams of pate like, i'm not not going to eat neat pate yeah the pate is the expensive bit well you could approach it like you do with your boil in the bag rice and just cut off a third each time and then before you know it you've got a full serving of pate yeah absolutely and i do have one final question before we go to wrap it up which is simply you've got your kebab are you walking home with that kebab in hand and eating, which I, <laughs> yes. incidentally, am dead against? Perfect question. I don't think you should be eating and moving. I think you need to be stationary. Or are you sitting in the kebab shop or are you getting home and eating a kebab? Oh, this is a good question. There's a kebab... Well, there's a Greek restaurant attached to a comedy pub called Up the Creek. And the Greek 
restaurant within the comedy club is called Up the Greek, and they serve, <laughs> I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's basically like a very thick flatbread with halloumi, you know, veg, feta, olives. He does put chips in there. Okay, yeah, <laughs> nice. It is so big because it comes like rolled up, and I think I can, I've got this this time. This time I've, I've yeah. learned how to do this. And I just can't, and it descends into stuff everywhere. So I have to lay it down. I get a sort of plastic knife and fork that sort of snap about eight times. I'm trying to get through this. So I now would have a rule where I would wait till I got home. Correct. Everyone's eaten theirs, dropped half of it on the floor. They don't, also, I don't think you feel full when you eat as you walk. Yes. Yeah. I then lay it out on the table. I've got knife, fork. I've got extraneous sauces that I've got in my home cupboards. I can begin to pimp it. This is making my heart sing. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. This is, this is the, this is this the is correct this answer. Is... <laughs> you're, you're the talk of the town and the envy of the town, I think. <laughs> that is the correct decision. Well, John, uh, thank you so much. The first time someone has cooked a dish on We're this very privileged. show. Another plug for Al's Kitchen, because I've now met yeah. Al. I've been on one of Al's videos. I went yeah. to his house. The man welcomed me into his home. And uh, we cooked uh, chili paneer, which is probably my favourite, all-time favourite foods is that. Yeah, delicious. Oh, that sweet and sour and chili. And I tell you what the secret ingredient is. And a guy at Spice Society in Amersham told me this, ketchup. Oh. Oh. So often ketchup is the secret ingredient to like very nice, sweet and sour. Wow. Sort of bitter, hot. It's usually because it's got the sugar in it. Anyway. Uh, so Al had me round and we cooked chilli paneer. So if you want to learn how to make curries that are up to Indian restaurant, British Indian restaurant standard, then check out Al's Kitchen on YouTube. I've absolutely demolished this. Oh, uh, look at that. By the way, I'm not quite sure what this idea is. I've written down, just you said about the idea of rolling up a kebab. I've written down, roll dal is the idea of my food company. <laughs> and it's dal in a wrap and it's rolled up. That's what it is. And the, and the shop is called rolled dal. <laughs> There you are. I don't know, I've just said that. Go. I've written it down here. Any go. investors? There's you know, a lot of value in that. <laughs> John, thank you so much. An absolute pleasure. We've loved speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, guys. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That was the very, very funny, very impressive John Robbins. I enjoyed that chat very much, didn't you, Crane? I did. Sorry. I've got um, what my mother would describe as a, a windy pop. <laughs> in my, so 
And what would normal people describe that as? As a, as a, uh, as a very mild burp. <laughs> okay. My throat. Okay, Brilliant. that's fine. Thank you. It's subsided. Okay. It's bubbled out. Uh, yes, okay. that was John Robbins. And as we mentioned earlier, John's on tour. Do go and check him out. He's a fantastic comedian. We absolutely love it when you send us stuff, any takeaway stories, anything that you've heard on the shows that you want to, to mention. Uh, we love it when you get in contact. So you can email us on hello at myfavoritetakeawaypodcast.com. You can DM us on our Instagram, which is myfavoritetakeawaypodcast. And also, we love it when you spread the word because leaving a review and subscribing means the world to the show and it has such an impact. It makes so much of a difference to us. Uh, so keep doing that and uh, we can't thank you enough. Next week, Sim, we have another brilliant guest who is coming along next week. We have the winner of ITV's Cooking with the Stars, the star of Strictly Come Dancing, and the resident doctor on ITV's This Morning, Dr. Range, who talked to us from a hotel room where he ordered some lovely Indian food. So tune in for Dr. Range. That's next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.